this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week we have a requested review. Requested, requested review. review. And Excellent. this and this requested review is one that came to us from a familiar name, Mr. Eric J. Peterson. He's been on the show. He's uh, been a requester. He's a patron over at our Patreon page which is a uh, patreon.com backslash dig me out and he sent me to the he sent me this request uh back a few months ago actually we got this back in june and he said i, I want you to review this album but could you schedule it as close to halloween as possible <laughs> and i said well good idea that's a good idea our our episode uh will actually air the day after Halloween, which is All Souls Day, and he said, "Perfect." <laughs> uh, and the album that I'm talking about is "American Psycho" by the Misfits, or Misfits. The should be not be capitalized because they just go by Misfits. Yeah, but sometimes they're. Uh, I found uh, Apple Music has "the" in there, but um, Spotify does not. So it makes yeah, it if, difficult to find the music sometimes. If you go to the Wikipedia, it's just Misfits. There's no the. So, and there's also a fictional band called the Mis- Misfits, which were in the Gem TV show. So it gets really confusing because that's actually the album that I accidentally reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> was it good? It was excellent. No, we're talking about 1997's American Psycho. Now, Jay, I need to confess something here. I had never we're, listened. We're in, a, we're in a safe place. Yeah, I had never listened to a lick of Mis- Misfits music. Other than the songs that were covered by other people like Metallica and Guns N' Roses. Um, yeah. And then the only Danzig I really knew was like two solo songs because I never really checked out his solo career. You know, anything further than Mother and maybe one other single that came out in the 90s. Uh, but I just, it wasn't into that music at all. So. This is a uh, this is a chance to actually get deeper into some music that I'm not familiar with. Were you a, a Misfits fan, Jay? Mm, I wasn't a fan. I would say I was close to where uh, you're you're coming from. Um, I did. I had heard some things second secondhand. Uh, I had some friends that were into punk, and this was a obviously a band that they were into. They were also, and I was very familiar with. The all the Danzig stuff, especially the first record, which was pretty big on um, uh, Headbangers Ball and those sorts of right um, programming, which I was watching at the time. They were also one of those bands where the image is almost as much, uh, and in the in the visuals, even the logo and the name and some of the the, the graphics and whatnot that they created just became almost pop culture, right. Um, you know, I, they're probably one of those bands where you'll see people maybe wearing one of their shirts or something that has a graphic that goes back to them that the person may or may not even be a fan. Just right. Because it's uh, just it's 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 just so identified with uh, 
And so it's so much stands on its own. So yeah, I mean, I was familiar with all that and generally familiar with the band. And and we'll get into all that stuff regarding like the image and, and everything that goes along with it with regards to the history of the band. But let's just talk about just in brief for people who are not familiar with the Misfits like us, other than the, I guess you'd say the cultural idea of the Misfits. Uh, let's talk about their history real briefly. History of the band. So the Misfits formed in Lodi, New Jersey uh, in 1977. The original lineup was Glenn Danzig, bassist Jerry Only, and drummer Manny Martinez. Danzig and Only were the only consistent members for the first six years of the band, which was 77 to 83. They released some singles and EPs, and then the, the ultimate, like, I guess you'd say, comp- not compilation, but ultimately they, they got to releasing their debut album, Walk Among Us, in 1982. And um, they had gone through some changes. I think when the band actually started, Glenn Danzig was playing electric piano, and then he was not playing electric piano after they phased that out after a little while. And then by the time the second album, Earth A.D. Wolf's Blood, came out in 1983, the band was done. Um, Danzig had at that point kind of been unhappy with the band and was looking to get out anyways. There was, if you read some of the history, they, he had been talking to other musicians about forming a new band, which would be the band, I think it's Samhain. Is that how it's pronounced, yep. Jay? Mm-hmm. Uh so that came together after the dissolution of Misfits. Um, and then he was in that band, but then would ultimately just, it, the band would be Danzig. And uh, like was mentioned um, earlier, scored some hits. You know, even though the Misfits were a, a punk band, I, when I think of Danzig as a solo artist, I think of him as more of like a metal alternative artist. You know, I don't, is mother's not punk in any way would you agree in terms of a- uh yeah no his solo stuff is very much grounded in uh metal okay or hard rock i mean yeah like hard rock metal but yeah it's coming from more of a black sabbath kind of direction uh in the 90s there was some uh let's say ill feelings between mr danzig and mr only and um mostly due to uh, who was owed what contractually based on who wrote what songs and how what percentage of them. And uh, Jerry Only wanted to reform the Misfits with uh, Doyle, the drummer. And so after a legal settlement, they were able to get together um, with a new band, Dave Calabrese on drums, and then they brought in a gentleman named Michael Emanuel, who would go by the name Michael Graves. And that would be the uh, new lineup of the Misfits Sans Mr. Glenn Danzig. So the first album that they released as that lineup was the one that we're reviewing, American Psycho, in 1997. Uh, they did some touring and support, released some videos. Um, they even appeared as characters in World Championship Wrestling, which seems totally appropriate. Uh, they were uh, that lineup stayed together for a couple years, um, 
up until about 2000, uh, Doyle left the band to um, focus on his family, and he was dealing with tendonitis in his elbow. Um, at that point, uh, I believe Graves also left the band, and Jerry only took over as lead singer and re- uh, recruited um, Des Kadena of, I think that's how it's pronounced, or Kadena of Black Flag to play bass. Um, Marky Ramone joined the band for a little while, and a former Black Flag drummer Robo filled in, who was, he filled in during the original incarnation of the band uh, for a brief period of time. Uh, there's been numerous, like, b-sides rarities albums that have come out um on different labels doyle rejoined the band i believe back in 2009 and then there was another lawsuit between (laughs) between jerry only and glenn danzig in 2014 because merchandise was being sold and certain people weren't getting a cut and what have you with the iconic crimson ghost logo which you sort of referenced jay earlier um eventually all of this was put to rest and the band in september of this year reformed at riot fest to uh play a set 25 songs they were joined by uh dave lombardo on drums and an additional guitarist ac slade uh now jerry only has been like yeah we should definitely like get together and record some more songs and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Glenn Danzig has said, I am not continue. I'm not interested. So who knows if there's going to be any more misfits uh, material. I'm sure Jerry only will continue um, based on the history of the band, but it doesn't sound like Glenn Danzig is going to continue in any way. sounds like they probably just got a good paycheck for that particular uh, show. And uh, that's going to be it. Because Glenn is busy with his solo career and appearing in Portlandia as himself. So that's that. So that is the history of, or the brief history of Misfits. Obviously, there's a lot more to get into with that band and their history and all the different members. And But it's interesting that this is a band that's considered pretty influential and legendary. And they basically created, created a subgenre of punk known as uh, horror punk. They were really only together for six years and basically put out one album when they were together and then one album after they broke up. And then a bunch of you know stuff after that. So want to remind everybody, if you have an album you would like us to review like Eric did, please head on over to our request to review page and you can request an album for us to review. We're getting very close to the end of 2016, so there's only really one or two more spots left to fill for this year. And then we'll start getting into 2017, uh, where some of our Patreon subscribers who pitched in at the 250 level will be able to start picking their albums. So we're going to have a lot of albums to cover, Jay, in uh, 2017, between requested reviews and Patreon reviews and stuff we want to try to get to. We've only scratched the surface. We have. We have. (laughs) So let's scratch the surface of this album, Jay. Let's go even deeper. Let's talk about American Psycho by The Misfits, 1997. You and I both coming to this with fresh ears. Tell me, Jay, one thing you liked about this record. Uh, the songwriting. I think there's some a surprisingly 
very competent songwriting on here. Um, everything is in the two minute range or under. Um, very focused. Some pretty good melodies. Um, you know, I think they know, at least on this record, they know uh, uh, they have a formula. You know that they're they're going to stick to. And surprisingly, I feel like they make the most of it, um, considering this record has what 17 tracks. I think they do a fairly good job maximizing the, the songwriting formula that they have and, and what the band is, and, and uh, still trying to tr- find as as much variety within that as they possibly can. So I was uh, a bit surprised by that. I didn't feel it. I didn't expect it to be that sophisticated or developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it definitely it's a really good sounding record. Um, mm. You know, it doesn't sound. Uh, in terms of um, the production, dated. It just sounds like a healthy, you know, big guitar rock, punk rock album. If you were to strip away the idea of the Misfits and just place this up against the punk of the mid to late 90s, I think this fits in well with that. Um, There's big choruses. There's big gang vocals. Um, I think that's the thing that really works for this band is that Michael Graves is not doing an approximation of Glenn Danzig, but he's definitely honoring his sort of style. Yeah. Um, but making it his own and not not trying to ape or imitate, but just trying to you know build upon what worked for this band. And it just it sounds good. He sounds good. He's got a uh, the right fit vocally for what they're doing. I think in terms of uh, the songwriting, you know, when you're talking about punk, and we've covered this on on past episodes, you know, the the one tricky part is that if you get into that quote unquote punk rhythm, where it's that, mm-hmm. you know, that's particular beat that a lot of punk songs use, it can get a yep. little repetitive. But they do a good job of switching it up. Um, from song to song, and also keeping the songs really, really short. I mean, there are a lot of songs on this record that barely hit two minutes, and that's greatly appreciated because, you know, most of the times they're hitting choruses within, like, the first 30 seconds of the song, or they're starting with the chorus, which is, you know, a really great way to get you into it melodically and not overstay the welcome. So especially with this being a new singer for the band, you know, they they kept it short. And I understand, you know, the, the early records were short, too. You know, you're talking like 25, 30 minutes on, on those early records. But they it's it's a pretty well-oiled machine, I would say, in terms of the songs, integrating his vocal, you know, the, the sound of it. It's just, it's a good-sounding record, and the songs, I think, hold up. Yeah, I think um, you hear... You can because of the production here. I mean, this from what I've heard of the early stuff, this is not uh, on par. Uh, I mean, this is far superior in terms of fidelity and just right. Uh, it approaches a metal sound. Well, I mean, I, I think musically it is very much in a metal space to the point of you can really hear at times uh, how close this band can be to Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, it, kind of what Metallica took and um, from them, um, it all starts to make sense when you hear this band sort of re- resurrected with a much more modern, you know, 
typical 90s kind of hard rock metal tone uh, mixed in with what they traditionally have done from a songwriting standpoint. Right. Um, you, you, you get in that space and there's moments where you're like, oh, wow, I could totally hear Metallica doing that, you know, bits and parts here or there, vocals here and there. So I found it. Um, so how many singers are on this? Uh, just Michael two. Graves. Really? That's it sounds a, very different uh, from track to track. I mean, it's interesting. Um, I mean, it all sounds like them, but uh, just the, the tone of the voice and the delivery even from time to time, especially in some of the verses. I was wondering if there was maybe two two guys singing. But uh, I, no, I felt it's, like... it's all Michael Graves. Okay. Yeah, I felt like... I appreciate that they you could tell that they understood what people liked about the band and what made them unique and weren't afraid of that. And even if Danzig isn't in the band, for them to be able to put their ego aside and say, well, you know, this is what Misfits is supposed to sound like, so we're going to write songs in that genre. And if that means – in that sound, and if that means that sometimes I need to sing that way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that as opposed to them. They could have very well, like, gone the road of just completely reinventing themselves because it's new members um, or try to modernize themselves to a point where it's not just about the tone, but in the songwriting, which mm-hmm. I appreciate that they didn't do because I think we would have ended up with a much less uh, compelling record. Starting to move into some of the things that maybe don't work at like 17 songs, the the O O O kind of choruses. Right by that point, you start to get burned out. Even though the songs are short, you know I don't think there needs to be 17. So and that and 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 basically because I think it it so exposes the formula that it kind of starts to become less special. Um, I think if you we're exposed to it a little less. It would really, um, I think, stand out quite a bit in terms of punk that is first oriented around the songwriting and the vocal melody. Um, I think that's when those bands working the best. I think there's a song or two where the two start to fight each other uh, or the verses are so, I guess, one of the bad parts uh, that I would say is that um, they tend to be one-dimensional from a dynamic standpoint. Um, so there's some verses where you're really wanting the vocal to to be the focus, and it's battling with this onslaught of guitars and drums. Um, and there's a couple songs where they uh, they mute a little bit in the verse, and it really helps a ton mm-hmm. to be able to help that vocal, especially in the register he's singing and the tone he's singing in, really to come forward so you can I think it has the effect of really pulling you in which is important for this band I think making them a little bit different than maybe some other punk bands where it's it's more about pushing you away like if like being a full-on onslaught and just you know pelting you this is I think this band works better with the with the visual the the imagery that they create with their lyrics the image of the band style of singing it is i think it works best when it draws you in a little bit uh, into the dark eeriness of it and Mm -hmm. then and then explodes in the chorus um and to to make that work i think they are better served when they when they have some verses that have some dynamic in them 
that can come down a little bit or have changes um, that can that can pull you in as opposed to just being a full on like ministry style onslaught of the census. mentioned i don't know what the exact word was but sort of the, the darkness yeah. of it and and earlier mentioning metallica as being like sort of the circular influence where obviously metallica was influenced by early black sabbath but when you listen to this you you listen to this and go oh i hear like creeping death mm-hmm. you know in these songs and it made me do a little bit of research like well what is it that makes this sound evil because it's the same thing with like Black Sabbath, where you hear you hear it and you're just like, what is it that's in those notes that are so evil sounding? And when I actually looked it up, it's a it's a tritone, is what it's called, and it's used in a lot of basically metal music. And it's it's I don't want to get too into music theory, but it's basically like you have a starting note. Then plus the third and the fifth tones in the scale. So if you're starting with like a C, then you'd have an E and a G. And when you play those notes, it creates this like dissonance within those notes or intervals, I guess. Um, And it creates this tension that's natural within those, you know, the scale of those notes. And that's the thing that started to wear on me is because they clearly know how to find those tritones notes and like really use them over and over again when they're building their riffs. Um, I'm guessing that's Jerry only who's doing that in terms of writing the songs. That's the thing that sort of like, like you mentioned, like having 17 songs is, is a bit much. And then when you f- figure out the formula of both the, the, the vocal OOO sort of thing but then also them using these sort of note tricks to make it sound evil because that's part of the ambiance or, or part of the overall um, sort of milieu of, uh, of uh, the misfits is this you know evil horror aspect to the band. That's when I get into like uh, territory where it feels like now this is not can I don't know if contrived is the right word but it's like it's just this formula that they're hitting over and over again that kind of felt like a little repetitive so yeah that, that's yeah, where I struggled that, yeah and I to me this is a, I get a little this is a band that's always um puzzled me in that how fanatical um the f- people who you know their core fan base is about them because I was always have found them to be a band, um, and I think this record is a great example of it. That they're a really good, re- they're really compelling to me in short doses. Mm-hmm. In that you would, there's something very unexpected about it and unique, but then you quickly see the formula, and then it 
quickly starts to become less compelling and like you said a little right. bit contrived so going back to my original state uh, point about uh, you know i appreciate that they understand who they are what works but at the same point knowing that that's a fairly small sandbox to plan um which is fine it's just you got to know how to make uh, the most of that in terms of you probably need records that are short and, and play off of that. I think EPs and probably releasing stuff more often, but um, with less length, um, mm-hmm. I think helps play into that overall formula of the band so you can experience it in those short bursts um, and appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, and I also think the one of the things I always, I don't know, I struggle with a little bit with this band is, um, it seems like since Danzig left, they become a bit of a character. Um, right. The outfit just going way over the top. You know, I think when they originally did it was kind of, I don't know, it was it was less contrived and less like comic booky, and mm-hmm. it's they perpetuated it to the point where now it's it's a distraction almost. Well, it's almost like um, they become like Guar in a way, or something. Yes, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's become a total novelty. Which is probably one of the reasons why Glenn Danzig doesn't want to be in the band, you know, outside of the big paycheck is just because it's, uh, you know, some of the things that they've done with it has been questionable. Um, I Frankly, I was surprised that this record was as good as it was because my perception of the band was just that it was kind of a more of an image at this point and an act mm-hmm. than a real band. But I feel like this record really, it, 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 it works pretty damn well. Um, mm-hmm. the length, length aside, I think it's, it finds that sweet spot and make, like I said, makes the most out of it. Um, I also hear bands like, uh, on the track Mars attacks, uh, I hear Iron Maiden quite a bit, like especially early Iron Maiden. If you go, if you listen to that chorus, when they do the guitar break, it's like a, you know, it's, you could totally hear, uh, that on, in one of the first two. Maiden albums. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about. I mean, I appreciated how it to me this record, because of the production and because they stuck true to who they were. I think it very much tells the story of that uh, early '80s punk metal hybrid scene, mm-hmm. uh, new wave of British heavy metal, and the punk scene of of that time, and how all those bands were, in a way. Uh, I think sometimes very competitive and almost anti each other, but in, in another way, probably a lot more alike than they wanted to admit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, this record kind of, it just took my mind there and took me to a lot of those sounds and those bands. And um, I didn't necessarily expect that going into it. So I kind of dug it. Do you, I don't know if you have this issue, but do you have an issue like I do with bands or musicians that have a gimmick about them like 
with the with the with having you know dressing up and having not necessarily a logo because I mean a lot of bands have logos, but there's this whole sort of you know subculture built around this band, and you know a lot of their lyrics are drawn from like B movie ideas and horror yeah. films and stuff like that. First <laughs> of all, I, you know probably part of why as musically this works for me, but like as a a cultural thing it doesn't work for me is i don't like horror movies like yeah i find them sort of ridiculous and i understand that a well-done horror movie is not just a horror movie but it can be like a you know i have a social statement about it or what have you in terms of like night of the living dead or what have you can have sort of a broader context but i i'm not really a big into horror movies and then uh, I'm not the biggest punk rock fan in the world, so mm-hmm. but I you know I I pick and choose my spots with that. I do like a lot of this record, but for me it just like it doesn't rub me the right way in terms of what I'm interested in pop culture wise. So I think that's probably why I didn't ever get into the band because it was just like the entry points aren't just aren't there for me. Yeah, I mean that that's so. so uh, I think to your first question, I, I do like. Uh, a good gimmick you know i love the band ghost oh and you like Um, kiss yeah they are built around a gimmick um but it i like that actually better better than what kiss did in that they've created a whole it's almost like a their own world like there's a premise that the band is built on very much the same as misfits and there's a subject matter that they can always write about and it has an image that goes with it, but yet musically, you know, it has all the elements I like, you know, it's dark, it's melodic, it's mm-hmm. can be heavy, it can be epic, you know, it's got all those pieces and parts. And I think I can see that with the, I can see that with Misfits. I can see it with Upper Crosses, another band that, that I like that has a gimmick, obviously. Now these aren't bands that like, I'm going to listen to every day, all day. Like I go through periods where i'm really into it and it's a lot of fun and i like it and then i take a break from it and right um go back to it and that that's kind of where i'm getting at with the the misfits super fans is that i don't know i mean maybe that's their listening habit as well but this isn't like uh you know a band i'm going to be able to listen to all the time and get great depth out of it's going to be you know i think great gimmick bands are like that where it's right it's an escape like you enter their world and it's fun to just let your imagination go and just be distracted by that. And then you step away and, you know, go on to your normal, you know, what you would normally listen to. Right. So I, I appreciate a good gimmick that way. And I think they very much fit in that space. Um, so, okay. Let's do overall ratings, Jay. Where the album better EP decent single where would you rate this? I guess mm-hmm. also uh, we could also add because this of this record's length, uh, better shorter album. <laughs> yeah, I hate to do that. I feel like we do it all the time, but I would like this record to be a series of EPs. Because one of the other issues I have with it is um, the sequencing makes no sense, and I don't know if there is a better sequence <laughs> or not, or if with this kind of music, there's just no way to sequence it sequence 17 songs that makes sense but there was no rhyme or reason i could find to what how the sequencing was was um done 
Um, I'm going to just say it's probably a side effect of there just being too many songs. Um, so I would like this to be a series of EPs, probably five or six songs a piece. And then you could pick and choose the ones that truly go well together and make more sense of it. Um, as it sits, I think there's an album's worth of good material on here. Um, so I'm going to say a worthy album, but it still has, um, plenty of flaws. Yeah, I would, I would go between 10 and 12 on, for, for an album. Um, you know, like we said, it, it's, even though it's 17 songs, it's only 39 minutes. So you don't even hit the 40 minute mark on those 17 songs. So it's not a case of like a typical nineties album where you're trying to cram in at 77 or 78 minutes worth of music. They still barely even hit the, the halfway point in terms of filling the CD. So even trimming five songs off this record, you're probably looking at 30 minutes. Um, but that would be fine with me because once you get into the tracks 13, 14, 15, it's kind of like, okay, I've heard all this. Right. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. It just needs to be a much shorter album. I, the, the EP idea is intriguing. If this was like three EPs or two EPs, Six songs each. Maybe that would work better. Um, yeah. I need somebody to explain why there's a song called Walk Among Us on here when their <laughs> first album was called Walk Among Us. Yeah. Uh, well, you said, uh, what, what, didn't you say the name of the the uh, character, the mascot is Crimson Ghost? Yeah. A song on here called Crimson Ghost. Right. So this is very much, I think, them paying homage to themselves. <laughs> Yeah, I bet there's I more think, in insider stuff that we're not even aware of. Yeah, I mean those are the obvious ones that you know the newbies like us can at least pick up on. But right, I think based on what we both agree on with the sound of this record, and there's enough clues here pointing to that this is uh, them very much paying homage and, and looking back at the who they are and reconnecting with that. In Eric's defense, he did say, you know, after you check out this record, since this is, you know, the, the 90s record we can check out, um, go back and revisit those early records from 82, 83. So I'm going to do that now that we've re- – because I didn't want to listen to those and, and taint my opinion before we reviewed and, you know, give our opinions on this. So that will be my next uh, project is to uh, to listen to those. Squeeze those in before we start working on our next review, which will also be a uh, request review. Thanks to our requesters. Want to remind everybody, you can go to digmeoutpodcast.com, request a review page. You can request a review for 2016 or start them for 2017. That's up to you. Also, you can go to patreon.com backslash digmeout and you can become a subscriber to our Patreon page. You can get insider information. You can vote on album reviews. You can get bonus content from episodes. You can win cool stuff like the Dig Me Out book we just gave away or the Failure album that we gave away earlier this year. And you can help support the podcast. And at the 250 level, after 12 months, you get to pick an album for us to review. And last but not least, as always, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. We need to thank... Eric Peterson for selecting this record. And uh, that's it, Jay. We're done for this week. You can return to your normal life. You can take off the uh, take off the horror mask and uncurl your locks and 
whatever else Jerry only does at the end of a show. Mm. He's got that long black hair thing sticking in front of his face. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, dude, like <laughs> that works when you had a full head of hair and you were 19 years old. But yeah, it's a little little. You don't quite need to go quite that far. Like you can pull it back and still have like, fine. Get, fine. Yeah. Be be reminiscent of the look, but not, you know, look like a like a Halloween costume. Find a nice sport coat, you know, pair of cacks, and uh, <laughs> wear that base up high. And uh, <laughs> no, thanks, Eric. We'll be back uh, next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash digmeout or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.